Anything that I ever say or write, I'd be comfortable saying or writing in front of everybody that I work with, players and coaches. So uh, I express myself as, as an American. Um, we have that ability. I love this country. And, um, you know, I believe what I believe, and I, I've said what I want to say. And every now and then there's some people that um, get offended by it. Uh, it's a slow news cycle, so I guess uh, Mike Florio picked something up yesterday and talked about it. It's not the first time Mike and I have disagreed about things. That's okay. God, you know, we were just talking yesterday about where's the next clip going to come from that gets added to the loop that will be perpetually playing on the solar-powered flat screen affixed to my tombstone, and we got it! There it is, although it wasn't quite as good as Aaron Rodgers or Bruce Arians, but the context for this is very simple. Tonight in prime time, the January 6th committee will be holding its first public hearing on the issue of the insurrection that happened on January 6th. Now, merely calling it an insurrection will cause some people to say, that wasn't an insurrection. Sure, Jan. I'm not even going to entertain that as a subject for fair debate. Of course, it was an insurrection. If that wasn't an insurrection, I mean, how would the people launch an insurrection? They don't have jet fighters and they don't have tanks. They have their bodies. That's how they would launch an insurrection. That's what it was. So in response to a tweet from Norm Eisen, who linked a Brookings Institute report, a definitive report on the January 6th insurrection, Jack Del Rio said, would love to understand the whole story about why the summer of riots, looting, burning, and destruction of personal property is never discussed, but this is. Hashtag common sense. He was referring to the aftermath of the murder of George Floyd and other police misconduct against minorities and the organic unrest and protest that did become riots in some cities that that sparked. That is what we call a false equivalence. Taking an insurrection against the government launched on one of the most sacred days every four years for Congress when they certify the results of a presidential election with the goal of interrupting the process, overturning the outcome of the election. That's why they were there, to overturn the outcome of the election at the urging of the former president, for crying out loud. And there are people out there who refuse to accept it. And one of the ways you refuse to accept it is you find a false equivalence and you say, what about this? Don't tell me about that. What about this? That's what Del Rio was doing. That's where this all came from. So I wrote a post pointing out the false equivalence that he was trying to make. And I I love this whole, I love my country shit. Look, just because you say I love my country does not give you the right to espouse false facts. If you love the country, act like a a, a responsible member of it and tell the truth. Don't call it my opinion. As DeMora Smith said years ago when the NFLPA and the NFL were doing battle over the lockout, you're entitled to your own opinion. You're not entitled to your own facts. He's not the first one who's ever said it, but that was the first time it ever really resonated for me. This isn't his opinion. When he calls, uh, and let's have a listen. Let's, as, let, me, let me set the stage for the next soundbite from Jack Del Rio when it comes to the difference between opinion and fact. Here's Del Rio from yesterday with his opinion based on incorrect facts as to what January 6th really was. Here he is. I'm just expressing myself. 
And uh, I think we all as Americans have the right to express ourselves, especially if you're being respectful. I'm being respectful. I just asked a simple question, really. Did I? Let's get right down to it. What did I ask? A simple question. Why are we not looking into those things? If we're going to talk about it, why are we not looking into those things? Because it's kind of hard for me to say I can realistically look at it. I see the images on TV. People's livelihoods are being destroyed. Businesses are being burned down. No problem. And then we have a dust-up at the Capitol. Well, there's nothing burned down. And we're not going to talk about it. We're going to make that a major deal. I just think it's kind of two standards. And if we apply the same standard and we're going to be reasonable with each other, let's have a discussion. That's all it was. Let's have a discussion. We're Americans. Let's talk it through. I'm for, I'm for us, you know. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah, sure. You know, let's have a respectful conversation. Uh, the, the planet is flat, and uh, we can have a respectful conversation about the fact that the planet is flat. And, you know, it's flat. And, and you're, you're entitled to your opinion, but, you know, the planet is flat. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that we have to deal with because they don't want us to focus on what happened that day. Look, it, what happened the summer of 2020 shouldn't have happened, but it did. What well, wait? It did, yeah. and it wasn't organized. It did. Yes. It wasn't toward a broader purpose of overturning the government in the United well, States right. and installing it, someone it, else as the president. It was real. It was justified. That's where I just push back. It's stupid. What Jack Del Rio saying is stupid. It's his opinion. It's stupid. It's not. I don't care. I'm going to just say it flat out. It's wrong. Well, One was justified because black people were being unjustly murdered by law enforcement. It was real. We had double handfuls of killings that way. Yes, did we have protests? Sure. Yes, we did. Rightly so. I mean, yeah, people who were sitting there just running away from the cops unarmed are getting shot in the back. I mean, again, yeah, it was wrong. It deserved protest. Also, would like I'm not. I don't even. Hey, hang on a second. Hang yeah, on a second. But, Wait, well, let's let, let me let me let me let me let me just the let me other. Just but no, hold on. Let massage me just, the edge. Of what you said. I got to say this, though, because when you say justified, look, nothing I don't justified. Think ju- I okay. don't think justified is the right word. Let, right. let me try this. Right. Let me try this. Yep. Because someone explained it at the time and it made a lot of sense to me. When you treat, especially minorities, in a way that's consistent with how they've been treated for hundreds of years in this country, dating back to slavery and prior to that, when you put them in a position where they feel like they are being treated in a horribly unjust, unfair, and inhumane way, they are going to react. They are going to have frustration and anger that can't get directed in a surgical, planned manner. They are just going to erupt with human emotion. They are going to riot when they believe that they are being wronged based upon the images that we saw that preceded the events of the summer of 2020. When we see a guy in a parking lot of a Wendy's running away with a taser and getting shot and killed in the back after George Floyd. That, so it becomes and a natural 20 human reaction. 20 videos like that, right. right? Right, but it becomes a natural human reaction when you feel like you are being systematically wronged in that way, killed 
and nothing ever happens. There's never any accountability. Right, although right. Normally there was hey, let me have your license and registration. So, Hold on. Let me grab so, it. So, You're dead. But, oh, but, okay. But, so, yes. The, 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 big, the big point is this, and this is why it's a false equivalence. This is the heart of it. What happened in the summer of 2020 was an organic human reaction. Right. That's a better to way to a say horrible it. Horrible right. situation. Right. It was not the culmination of months of, hey, they're going to steal the election from me. Hey, they're going to steal the election from me. Hey, they're going to steal the election from me. Did I win or lose? Oh, I lost. They stole the election from me. They stole the election from me. Hey, everybody, they stole the election. They brought in voting machines from China. This is happening. All that crazy-ass stuff that was the result of lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit that failed. When all else failed, send the people to the Capitol with a gallows to hang Mike Pence because Mike Pence won't wave a magic wand and hand the election well, yeah. to the former president. Right. Let That's alone the difference. politicians Jack, with Oath Keepers and Proud Boys and Roger Stone. They're all meeting up in cahoots and everything. Yes. I mean, there's a little difference there. Again, yeah. maybe I was wrong to say justified with the, 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 the riots. I understand that, too. You know, again, you know, the other thing I want to push back there again is, yes, one side is just mad that they lost and being a bunch of babies. Uh, That's really what it is. Really. I mean, again, and, and, you know, I I don't know. There's just so many things here that he's so wrong about. And really, he's look, the the biggest thing is he's going to spend. He's I'm going to spend. But wait, two things. He's really in danger to me. Uh, Like you're you're like nobody on his team is going to listen to Jack Del Rio. I, I can just tell you that. His defense, those players, they're going to say the right things because they're, they're, they're young men who are taught to respect their coaches and their elders, and they're being paid by the football team. But, like, let me tell you, do you think those guys weren't texting last night about their crazy coach who they think's off the rocker? 100%. That's insensitive? 100%. And, and you know, again, I don't even care either. I know you're going to get the email, so you can deal with it. You know, yeah, I'm the one's got to deal with right. it. I'm, well, there, I'm, so I'm the one that's going to be sweeping there's up so your many mess issues. Today. People need to actually like read the news and not just one channel that tells you stuff. Sometimes too, you know. Again, we're, some of the main. Uh, forget it. I'm not even talking but, about. Listen, it. It's crazy. Listen, I mean, let's say he's committing hey, whoa, whoa, real whoa, stupid. Listen, I love this country, so I'm going to say it. Fox News isn't going to televise that hearing tonight because they don't want the millions of people who only get their information from Fox News which is owned by a company that is a partner with the NFL. And the NFL never says jack shit about this, and it should. And I'm sorry, but it's the truth, because tonight is an important night in American history. We all should be tuned in to find out the truth of what happened. Oh, it's not the truth. It is that we saw it unfolding in real time. I remember how I felt on the afternoon of January the 6th, where I had no idea where this but was going to go. But overthrowing the country is just the same as a riot, Mike. It's just but, the but same. That's, but that's the point. Calling it a dust-up is so disrespectful it, to the facts The people who died? Reality. The people the who only, died? The only dust Cops? that was involved was the dust that they knocked off of the gallows. A gallows, for crying out loud, that they brought to the Capitol with the goal of executing the vice president because he wouldn't deliver as the last failsafe. To keep the former president in office, he refused to do it, and they wanted to kill him, people. Now, I know a lot of the folks who were involved in it were being manipulated by the mob, but at the core, 
of that movement was organization, was strategy, was planning, and ultimately was incitement. That's why it wasn't a dust-up at the Capitol. We can't, we can't even begin to have a real discussion about our opinions if we can't agree on the most basic facts. A dust-up at the Capitol. Somebody tweeted in response to that, what was the Civil War? A disagreement at a picnic? I, so, I, I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's a sad state that, that, we, we, that we even have to, that we can't agree on the planet being round. I feel like that's what we're debating. Is the planet round or is the planet flat? And we've got a bunch of flat earthers who refuse to acknowledge truth about anything that, that conflicts with their worldview or the people they want in power for whatever reason. We want our team to be in power, so we're going to say whatever we have to say, even if it means telling complete and total lies that we know are lies, but we don't care. We don't care. It's the castanzification of the country. It's not a lie if you believe it. And that's what it's become. And it all started with the commander-in-chief who, frankly, made a way of life of telling lie after lie after lie and, and acting like he believed it. Yeah, but he's what a American. Shock that all, yeah. What a shock that all the people that follow him believe that that behavior is acceptable. I, it's Just crazy. Just lie through your I, teeth, crazy, yeah. act like you believe it, and maybe you eventually will believe it. I know, yeah. I don't know. I mean, again, he's the least American guy I've ever seen. That's, that's the funniest thing. And then everybody gets behind America. And then, yes, behind the conservative movement of a 50-year Northeast elitist liberal, they now think is the god of the conservative movement, which is not conservative. I don't know it's what not, they're it's thinking. A, it's a personality It's call. off, and it's Fox is crazy call. for that, too. They're wrong, yes, 100%. And it, it drives me crazy. It really does. It's, it's, it's the yeah, but conversation that has nothing to do with it. It's one was an overthrow of the country. Another one, people had a right to be angry about what was going on. Again, and, and, and still, it's still going on. But, again, nobody cares. I mean, last month we had another bunch of incidents like that. But nobody cares. We become numb to it. We just push it to the side. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. There's a huge difference, all right? And I, I don't understand it. And to me, what the biggest thing is, you know, with Jack Del Rio, there, you're coaching a football team. What are you bringing up politics for? What are you doing? You're, you're, you're bringing politics into everything, as usual, and he's committing what I would say is career suicide. Uh, that's what I would say. I, I don't. I'll be shocked. I'll be interested to see if he makes it to the season. I will be. I wouldn't want to play for him. And if I was one of the stars on that defense, I would be letting people know in the organization that maybe we should let Ron coach the defense. I would. It would just shows you that to me that there's a lack of knowledge and sensitivity to the human being there, let alone just crossing a line where just shut up and coach, shut up and coach football. How about that? Well, and, and that's funny because the shut up and dribble crowd, the stick to sports crowd, they won't say anything to Jack Del Rio because they only directed at people like us who say things they don't like. No. That is their knee jerk reaction when someone in sports says something that isn't related to sports, that disagrees with their view of the world and politics in America and the world is flat. We are told to stick to sports if we bother to say the world is round. So Del Rio doesn't get that treatment from those folks because he is preaching to the choir. They never say stick to sports when you deviate from sports and say something that they agree with. And I will say this. I, I think Jack Del Rio has a right to express himself. But we have a right to express ourselves if he says something 
that is batshit crazy. We just do. And if you say the Capitol riot insurrection was a dust up, then we have the right to say, sorry, but that's not sorry, but you're batshit crazy. Exactly right. Exactly right. I mean, they, I, I don't get it. I don't. And there's a lot of other things I could say factually. Again, you know, people need to look at other than I watch a bunch of news things. I read actual reports from government agencies about these things. I don't just take one guy's word and go, I think I'll believe him. Okay, he's, he's God. I'll believe him. And, and that, to me, is where we've gotten with a lot of people. There's, people don't want to really look around for information or do the due diligence, and they just, they're lazy. And then they just go into their own little biases, their bias, and they see it through that lens. And that, to me, is kind of what we're seeing here with Jack Del Rio. I'd be interested to see where this goes. I, I, again, I, you're, you're crazy if you don't think the Washington commanders today and the, some of those guys in that locker room aren't talking about that and talking about when. What is our coach? What, is he as batshit crazy as he seems to be? And that's going to be a real conversation in that locker room. There's another element to all of this, and it's the efforts of Daniel Snyder and company to get free money from the state of Virginia to build their new stadium. Virginia State Senator Jeremy McPike was on 106.7 The Fan in D.C. yesterday, and he, who had at one point was in favor of public money for a commander's stadium in Virginia, he said that Del Rio's comments were the nail in the coffin for public stadium funding. Now, it was already moving in a way against public funding in Virginia for the commanders. I don't like the idea of political retaliation against the commanders for what Jack Del Rio said. I don't like it, and I don't think that's appropriate. But I also don't like the idea of free money for these billionaire owners to build their stadiums. So the end justifies the means here. Because at the end of the day, if it means Daniel Snyder isn't getting a penny from the state of Virginia, good. Because none of these guys and gals should be getting free money for their stadiums. If the Broncos are going to sell for $4.65 billion, they can afford to buy their own damn stadiums. And the taxpayer money should be devoted to real projects to help real people, not the oligarchs who become just below you know, the, the true rulers of the country. They're the ones pulling the strings on the people who rule the country. They can build their own football stadiums. So Del Rio's comments did not help. But at the end of the day, yeah. Good for Virginia if they don't give Daniel Dan, Snyder Daniel a penny Snyder to build probably a stadium. loves Jack Del Rio today. He probably loves him. I'm, yeah, I'm sure it's, it's very happy to have him as an employee right now. Now, Del Rio issued an apology. I want to be fair to him because he put this on Twitter after all the stuff happened and after Senator Jeremy McPike said that his comments were the nail in the coffin for public funding of a commander's stadium in Virginia. I made comments earlier today in referencing the attack that took place on the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. Referencing that situation as a dust-up was irresponsible and negligent, and I am sorry. I stand by my comments condemning violence in communities across the country. I say that while also expressing my support as an American citizen for peaceful protest in our country. I have fully supported all peaceful protests in America, except kneeling for the anthem. I love, respect, and support all my fellow coaches, players, and staff that I work with and respect their views and opinions. Now, the kneeling for the anthem was my editorial comment that was added to his statement because he spoke out against Colin Kaepernick's protest during the national anthem back in 2016. So again, it's stick to sports unless what you're doing is something that I agree with. And uh, I don't, I don't really think he's sorry. 
I don't think he's sorry. He's smart enough so. to know what he was saying. He know he knew what the reaction was going to be when he used the word dust up. He knew. He was apologizing because somebody higher up in the organization told him, Hey Jack, you got two choices. Pack your stuff and go or apologize for calling the insurrection a dust up. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. I it's it's yeah, it's troubling. And again, I, I can't stand it. It's annoying because it, it's it's gonna again. I, I got we just talked about it. It's a hot button topic. I already got people I know that are you know in my you know uh, bubble of friends and who you know of course are, are, are get angry when I talk about this stuff. I, you know, I got I see fathers who I know are gonna give me the cold shoulder now. You know over the next week because I said something about God King Trump. So now I'm you know I'm the enemy, <laughs> right. and that's where um, it just it's so messed up and. And again, I just, I, I just, I'm, it's just, I'm, I'm disappointed that he brought it up. I'm interested to see if he survives. I really will. And uh, it's, it's just all annoying. It's annoying. It's, I, the, the I look, I look at it everything. this way. I look at it this way. It's not like it's Bill Belichick defensive coordinator. It's Jack Del Rio defensive coordinator of a defense that was underwhelming last year. So, it, it, you know, what we usually say is, the more talent a player has the more stuff that a team will tolerate. I think the same thing applies to a coach. I mean, if it's Vince Lombardi, you're going to deal with some stuff. This guy isn't Vince Lombardi. So uh, that that makes it even more likely or possible. Who knows? Ron Rivera is not going to want to turn his team upside down. After last year with all the dysfunction with guys not wanting to get vaccinated and Ron's a cancer survivor and they still wouldn't get vaccinated out of respect for him and all these I, – I, I think he'd rather just not have the issues. But at some point, Coach – you got a tough issue that you got to deal with. And it may be that we'll see. We'll see what the players really think. We don't know because they're not going to tell us. But if there is some movement that is going to make it hard for players to respond to Jack Del Rio the way they should, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there will be a change by the time training camp rolls around. All right, let's take a break. I've already glanced at my email inbox, Chris. I am going to be cursing you all day long, although I will acknowledge that, that number one, I said – plenty of stuff on my own and number two i know that when i say some things you're gonna say some things and sometimes things need to be said there's too much walking on eggshells in this country today because we're afraid we're going to upset people who are pushing false agendas i don't care if i upset people who are pushing false agendas we need to be committed to the truth that is the one thing that disappoints me more than anything else about the state of our nation today there is no commitment to truth i grew up with one basic principle hammered into my mind constantly by my mother always tell the truth didn't we always respect was it george washington i cannot tell a lie i cut down the cherry tree i don't know why the hell the kid cut down the cherry tree but at least he didn't lie about it there needs to be a basic and fundamental commitment to truth That's why we're off track. There isn't that core commitment to truth and facts and reality. Here's the reality. we got to take a break. The Chris Sims Top 40 Quarterback Countdown continues when PFT Live resumes right after this. We continue to make our way. Toward the top 10 of the Chris Sims Top 40 Quarterback Countdown. And we need to get a move on because we start our hiatus next Friday. We may think of it as a hiatus based upon the last segment of the show. Others may think of it as a permanent cancellation. <laughs> Nevertheless, number 12 on the list, Cardinals quarterback Kyler 
Murray. I don't know how he's going to feel about being number 12 on the list. I think he probably views himself as somewhat higher. That's not my issue because it ain't my list. He fell from number seven. Chris, why do you take Kyler Murray from seven last year to 12 this year? Well, he's still awesome. There's no doubt about that. I mean, this is still one of the most physically gifted quarterbacks in football I mean hands down there, there's no doubt about that and has the potential and talent to be in that top five conversation I mean first off his running and his legs I mean he, he can run like a legit slot wide receiver in the NFL it's special you're not going to find too many people that can move like that at quarterback his arm is real you know you see there he's got a lot of different arm angles he's got a quick release he can sling it sidearm on the run I mean he is magical that way as far as making plays off schedule, doing some stuff as far as that's concerned. I mean, there's not a lot of people in, in the NFL that can do this kind of stuff. He's got a very strong arm. There's no doubt about that. He is a threat. You can design some quarterback run stuff. But I think the biggest thing, too, Mike, you know, and we see more of the dangerous arm stuff, back, sh- back foot fading away. But I think what we saw in that Rams game, we saw it a little bit all during the year where it reared its ugly head a little bit about teams that could keep him in the pocket and make him play within that spot there, and all of a sudden the game can be become a little less then. Well, you know, he's obviously, as you can see, he's capable of making big plays in the pocket, you know, with his arms, certainly, and then getting out of the pocket and making unbelievable plays with his legs. Sure, yes. The problem is, and why he is where he is at number 12, to me, is the biggest thing of when teams can kind of corral him and keep him in the pocket, and, okay, things do get a little hairy in there, and the pocket's collapsing, and, ooh, you got to make some throws over some people and take a shot and do all that. It, it's not up to the level of the other quarterbacks in football. And, again, I will say this for the 20th time, probably do this for size is a skill. Big quarterbacks can stand there in the trash and throw over people, you know, take hits, do that. And that's to me, is where Kyler Murray lacks for sure. Is the fact that when that game becomes a little tight like that, and now you have to play within there, you know, there's plays and throws that are missed because he can't see. There's a reluctance to stand in there and make them because I think he is wary of, wait, I'm smaller. I don't know if I can take these type of hits. So, again, he's an awesome player who didn't have his best year, and he did kind of fall apart during the year. And I think what I worry about is, yes, he's going to look awesome against the middle class and low class, but what I do worry about is, yeah, end of the year, teams have figured out the offense, they've played a few scrambling quarterbacks, and now, ooh, we know how to keep a guy like this in the pocket. Can he beat those upper echelons teams, those teams that are playoff teams, and do it within the pocket and the game be tough and physical and all that? I got a question about that still, and that's why, to me, why I got him at number 12, Mike. I remember being very impressed early in his career. He demonstrated an uncanny awareness of where his body was in relation to all the other bodies on the field. He would would not try to – to squeeze out a couple of extra yards on a scramble. He would get out of bounds before the hit. He would do lateral hook slides to end a play to avoid contact. But the reality is you can't completely avoid it. The injury that he suffered week eight Thursday night against the Green Bay Packers on the next to last play of the game before what would have been, could have been the game-winning touchdown, but A.J. Green didn't turn back and look for the ball. That was just kind of a routine knockdown in the pocket. Certain things are unavoidable. And when you are a smaller quarterback and you take those hits 
and you get the ankle twisted and you're not the same the rest of the year. I don't think he was the same the rest of the year after the injury. He missed three games. At first, they tried to downplay it. He'll be back. He'll be fine. Then he missed a game, missed a game, missed a game. After the bye, he came back, and he just wasn't the same guy. Whether it was the Cliff Kingsbury, Cliff can't finish, you know, uh, yeah. thing. I think it's all the team it. falls apart. Yeah. Or just he wasn't the same. And, and by the playoff game, it looked like he had no mobility left. And when you take away his mobility, he shrinks before your eye. I, I, I know. And, and listen, I, I went into that really looking for that and thinking that. But, you know, I think it's more of the other stuff you're saying, Mike. People caught on the offense. They got they, – hey, it's late in the year. Wait, we've played a few scrambling fast quarterbacks. Maybe it's the second time we've seen Kyler Murray. We know how to play him a little bit. Because I can't sit there and when I go back and watch the tape and look at it and go – but he, he he had a 70-yard run against the Colts. I mean, he could still go and do those type of things. You know, so to me, I think it's more along the lines of the other stuff. The injury, I don't doubt, maybe threw him off kilter a little bit, got him out of rhythm. Like we talk about, it's never easy to come back and just hit the ground running and think, oh, man, all systems go. But I do think whether it's the Lions game, the Colts game, the Rams the second time, the Rams the third time, when he started to see defenses who understood how to about keep guys in the pocket, let's keep him there, that's where he lacks a little bit. And then what also, too, Mike, where you, you, you start to realize when you watch him is, you know, again, hey, let's say a, you know, a, a Dak Prescott, a Justin Herbert, a Tom Brady, they're in the pocket. It's a drop-back pass. So, okay, they're hitching there in the spot, you know. Okay, another hitch. Oh, wait, there's a guy coming open deep. I got to hitch one more time. Oh, man, I'm going to get crushed, but I'm going to do it. Boom, throw it up there, get killed. Kyler Murray, there's a lot of those type of plays where they get left on the field, where you go, man, pat the ball one more time and let it go. You're going to get crushed, but yeah. And to me, that's where he's not going to. He's going to just get down and protect himself, or he's going to back up and start running around and try to move. And he might get out of trouble and run for five or throw the ball away, and we go, oh, great escape. And But yet I want to go as, you know, Johnny quarterback guy and go, yeah, but – the quarterbacks that are in front of him and why they're in front of him can stand there with the people around them and know they're going to take that hit and go, you know what, okay, I'm going to take it and boom and throw it and not be affected by it. And that to me is the, the big question with Kyler Murray and whether they can go to the next level, he can go to the next level, and can they beat those really physical, awesome defenses that keep him in the pocket and don't let it become a backyard football game. That, that to me is the question going forward. I think one of the reasons why we have seen this urgency from his agent, Eric Burkhart, to get a contract done this offseason. He's off afraid of that, right? I think at some level there's a concern that, that – People might figure out how to defend him, and it just might – this might rear its ugly head more than not. Yeah, I, and, I'm, I'm and with it, you, Mike. And it, it may be over. It may be over. Right. 12 may become 20 next year. Yeah, or at least the luster comes off a little bit. I would worry about that. Again, I, I'm, I'm rooting for the guy. I think he's awesome. I mean, again, we've talked about the physical ability is great. He's a pretty good decision maker. You know, leadership and things like that, I don't know if it's up to par with some of the other guys he's got in front of him. I think that's questionable still. Not saying he's bad, but his effect on the football team is as great as some of the other guys we're going to talk about going forward. I'm not sure about that either. And then, hey, pocket. And that's part of my thing, pocket presence, what you do there. That, to me, is certainly where there's some areas that, that lack as compared to some of the other quarterbacks that are in front of them. 
Coming in one spot above Kyler Murray on the fringes of the top 10, as he's been for the past few years. I don't know why we picked that. <laughs> there's, there's Derek Carr. MC Hammer's from Oakland. The Raiders used to be in Oakland. There's a connection there somewhere. Derek Carr at number 11. He gives a thumbs up to the MC Hammer gif with Chris's head on Hammer's body. Uh, and this is kind of where Carr resides, right? He's not top 10, but he's... He's just about there. I think we call this the Matt Ryan position on the <laughs> Chris Sims top 40 quarterback countdown. So this year it goes to Derek Carr. Why, why is he where he is? Well, he's he's a phenomenal he's a phenomenal player. And as we like, uh, I think you know back in early uh, well when Brady came back, we we had this conversation. If Brady retired, he's top 10. Brady came back, he got moved, moved down to number 11. All right, but it, De- Derek Carr. I think the thing I want to start with is this: it, the ultimate field general in football right now. He really is. The ultimate field general, he's got everything you want as a franchise quarterback, size, mobility, good arm, and he gets picked on too much. Really, what I want to say with Derek Carr is what is the real weakness of his game? Yeah, he might not be as great at some things as some of the other star guys, but damn is he good. You talk about ability at the line of scrimmage, getting you the right play. These things are where he went to another level. Throwing the ball, laser, tight window, where I feel like in years past I would have docked him and go, oh, he would have thrown some wimpy softball and it would have got knocked down or the guy would have got his head knocked off as he caught it and he didn't maximize it he did he took advantage of that stuff this year like you see here he's awesome in the pocket he's got great feel sets the feet up boom throws a laser that's where he is really damn good I mean again what he does at the line of scrimmage the decision making quick release really damn good NFL arm better athlete you know and he's to me, where I always used to, I would go, like, he's a passer. He's a really good passer. This year, he became a little bit of a thrower. I'm going to throw that damn thing in that tight window. Boom. Is it perfect yet? No, Mike. Are there still some throws where I go, man, would you just throw the damn laser there and stop trying to place it perfectly to Darren Waller, and now he waits for it and catches it and gets tackled for a 20-yard gain instead of, like, damn, you could have thrown the laser and he might have been off to the races? Yeah, it's throws like these that kind of come up at times where you go, man, if you just, you know, let that go or step into it, you're going to really have something there. And he had a little pressure there, sure. But it's these type of throws that I just say, eh, he's getting them out of his game. I just wish they were out completely and then maybe they make a few more plays. But, damn, he is a really good football player and has it all. And he's shown us to be leader and tough and all of that and uh you know, I'm, I'm proud of Derek Carr in a lot of ways because people have been trying to throw him to the side for a long time, including John Gruden and company there for a little while. It's the first uh, offseason we're going into where that's finally or the last two offseasons where they're finally like, he's good. We'll, we'll keep him. Well, and Mike Mayock, right. It's an annual ritual where he would say exactly. we're looking to upgrade at every position right. constantly, including quarterback. And that's why they looked at both Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins in 2019 closely pre-draft right because we're constantly looking to upgrade every position including quarterback if you really want your quarterback to be the unquestioned the leader of the team you exempt him from that conversation that that's really part of of the the reality of the quarterback position in the nfl he has to be the leader you have to prop him up as the leader you can't dilute his leadership saying things like that dilutes the guy's leadership and he emerged as one of the leaders after the dysfunction last year, sparked by John Gruden's forced resignation. And and uh, it would be crazy not to completely embrace that. The fact that they traded for Devontae Adams 
is the closest thing that you can get to uh, telling the world Derek Carr is, is our the guy, guy. Right. And, and, right. and everyone should follow him. So, right. um, you know, we'll see how it goes this year with the new coaching staff, but I think it could go better than it has gone in recent years for Derek Carr and the Raiders. Let's take a break. Another day, another important Deshaun Watson development. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. Yeah, I understand, Jake, uh, the question. I think for me, I'm going to be respectful of the investigation of the legal proceedings. I'm going to let that play out. Yeah, again, I can't add much. Uh, I'm going to let both the investigation and and the legal proceedings play out. Yeah, I think, Nate, we're we're here making sure that we get good practice in. Uh, The guys did a nice job out there today. I'm not going to comment past that um, but you know I think we got to be respectful of the process be respectful of the legal proceedings I understand why you have to ask that uh, Daryl but I'm just going to be uh, respectful of the process and, and let it play out I think Tom with, with anything uh, we're trying to just focus on the day uh, I can't see past today <laughs> truly so that, that's kind of where my focus is Browns coach Kevin Stefanski drawing the short straw and being required to answer these questions. It's not a mess he made. It's not. I don't even know that he wanted Deshaun Watson. These are decisions that that were made higher than him. This is a Jimmy Haslam move. This is the latest in the line of quarterback misfires by the Cleveland Browns. And this one at least is a highly talented quarterback, unlike Johnny Manziel and the others that they have employed and, and it hasn't worked out. Baker Mayfield's talented, but it just hasn't worked out. With Watson, it's the complete and total underestimation of the way things continue to go off the rails. And I don't know that anybody could have foreseen the specific developments that we've witnessed over the past week and a half, but you can't say you're surprised by it. These are all natural consequences of trading for a guy and giving him a $230 million fully guaranteed contract when he has 22 pending cases, when he's represented by a lawyer who has shown a propensity for the dramatic and the theatrical, two more lawsuits, big article in the New York Times, and now the latest development, the notion that the Texans are going to get an invitation involuntarily. I thought this might happen. You know, I said that yesterday. I thought maybe this was, it seemed like it might happen. Mike, are you surprised that it happened here? No, I'm not. I'm I'm surprised it took this long. Okay. And it makes me see, here's where the Browns and everybody else needs to watch and, and understand what's going on here. Tony Busby realizes the benefit in waiting and waiting. You don't have to do everything all at once. You don't have to sue the Texans out of the gates. He has, from an evidence standpoint, collected, I assume he believes, sufficient proof that makes his claims against the Texans even stronger. But it's a different vibe if the Texans get joined to the lawsuits before Deshaun Watson is traded than after he's traded. And it just adds to this sense that it's an avalanche. It's out of control right now. The court of public opinion is teetering on the brink of a conclusive verdict of guilty of Deshaun Watson. And all this is happening while the league is trying to figure out what to do. But every day it's something else. And it doesn't surprise me it happened. It does surprise me it took this long. And now it changes the dynamics. 
if and when the Texans are added to this, when they're added to this as a defendant, because now the league is kind of pulled into this mess. So there's actual skin in the game for the NFL, for all of these other personal conduct policy issues that the league has dealt with. There hasn't been a component where someone is trying to raid the coffers of an NFL franchise. Now, on top of everything else that Deshaun Watson has brought to the NFL by way of distraction and bad press, now this whole thing is causing a real financial liability for one of its teams. I, I mean, what, what do you think? Like, what 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 is he going to say, or what's he going to claim here from the the Texans as far as making them defendants that they just had knowledge of a uh, of this stuff that Watson was doing this? So that that's basically what he's going to lump them in here with with Watson that, that they, they were part of a cover up or turned a blind eye to it. What what exactly you think they're he's trying to say here? That they knew or should have known what Deshaun Watson was doing. They knew or certainly should have known. There it is, five lines up from the bottom of the statement from Tony Busby yesterday. They knew or they should have known. We talked about that yesterday. Right. As it related to the comment that was made on social media, the threat from the woman who ended up being the 23rd plaintiff to Deshaun Watson, I will expose you with text messages and cash app receipts. He talked to the director of security about it. The director of security responded by giving him a non-disclosure agreement to use at these massages. Instead of telling him, stop what you're doing. If you need a massage, you've got facilities here. Or without asking any questions, Deshaun, why are you getting massages from these women when we've got a world-class training staff here? Or I can set you up with one person that we can trust, Mm -hmm. that we know is okay. That's right. That isn't going to create an issue. I don't know, maybe a man. Right. You're not going to get into these issues if it's a male massage therapist. Uh, And and that didn't happen. And here's and I don't want to get too nerdy about the legal aspect of it. The biggest defense for the Texans will be the threshold defense will be we don't have a duty of care. We don't have a duty. There's nothing we're supposed to. We didn't do anything. These are his actions. If he's engaging in criminal misconduct, we're not responsible for his criminal misconduct. And, and see, I hadn't thought of it that way, but it really sets the stage to have another party at the table that is throwing stones at Deshaun Watson. Because the best argument for the Texans very well may be, we are not responsible for his criminal misconduct. And the argument from Busby will be, you knew enough to acquire a duty of care to these individuals to protect them from a predator. You knew enough that you, you should have asked the questions to ascertain whether or not this man potentially is a sexual predator who was utilizing hotel room you provided, NDA you gave to him to facilitate his effort to commit these crimes. That will be the argument by Busby, but the argument by the Texans actually makes it worse for Watson because the Texans have every reason to say we're not responsible for his crimes. I, that's, that's you're right. I didn't think about that aspect of it. Yeah. So the Texans, what you're saying, they could end up piling on here for watching yes. a little bit and making things harder for them. Uh, I just, I don't know, Mike, what is this? You think day 12, 13 in a row of just one haymaker after another from Busby and that side, just crushing Watson in the court of a public opinion. That, that to me is again, it's just like Mick stop the bleeding in the, in the Watson corner right now. It just gets worse every single day.
It really does. And, you know, I, I think you're right with the paid leave or whatever. I, I think the pressure's on the NFL here that they're going to have to make a pretty, pretty big decision here pretty soon. They, they're going to have to. One thing that Busby is doing, regardless of whether you agree with his tactics, he is following legitimate news coverage of the event with a strategic move on the chessboard. The HBO Real Sports story. 16 days ago. They followed that up the following Tuesday, the first business day after Memorial Day weekend with lawsuit number 23. The New York Times story comes out on Tuesday. The next day, Tony Busby says, after the Times story gets into the Texans' role in all of this, that's when Busby says, I'm suing the Texans. See, it's a different vibe if it's Busby out of the blue saying, hey, I'm going to sue the Texans. But the New York Times story gives credibility to the idea that the Texans may have some responsibility. So he doesn't look like an ambulance chaser when he chases the New York Times story with his intention to sue the Texans. There's a, there's a genius to this, and that's what Rusty Hard is dealing with. And what do you, do, you, do you think the Texans, like, uh, you know, just from your legal expertise and following things like this, I mean, do you think there's – you know, some burden on the Texans here to know that or do that. I mean, again, it's like I, I want to say a little bit like the defend players. They're always held to you can't do conduct detrimental to the shield and things like that. Right. OK, well, you know, I mean, you could in some ways go, hey, team, if you know some guys are being bad and doing all that, you're not doing things that are helping the shield here. And that, that, so that there's part of me that just, you know, wonders about that aspect a little bit, I guess. The truth is, I don't know enough about the specifics of the legal system in Texas to know whether and to what extent these cases will, to use a technical term from my cousin Vinny, hold water. But I do know this, that when the director of security for the Houston Texans catches wind of some potential issue with Deshaun Watson and massages and I could destroy you if I want to. I could expose you if I want to. The answer to that should not be give the guy a non-disclosure agreement that he can take to these massages to get them to sign it so he keep their mouths shut. The goal should be to get Deshaun Watson to avoid to do the kinds of things that people wouldn't keep their mouths shut about. That's what should have happened. So morally, not legally, but it kind of covers both. The move should have been to have a heart-to-heart with Deshaun Watson and get him to stop doing things that would lead to these kinds of threats being made. So they got a problem, and they can blame it on their director of security because I think that's the person who handled this the wrong way. Let's take a break. When we return, we'll stay in Cleveland to talk about another quarterback who is still under contract but is not present. We'll explain that when PFT Live continues right after this. Baker Mayfield still under contract with the Cleveland Browns, still waiting for his next NFL destination. And earlier this week, we shared with you the news that Kevin Stefanski, coach of the Browns, had no comment on whether or not Baker Mayfield would be present for mandatory minicamp. Now the Browns say that he is excused. And, Chris, I think you hit the nail on the head when we talked about it before. They didn't say anything because they didn't know whether he was going to accept the invitation to not show up. Hey, you're excused. I don't want to be. I'm under contract. I want to be there. But at the end of the day, he apparently agreed that 
the best move for now is to just stay away, not create an issue, give it until training camp. And that's probably what he said. This is speculation, but it makes sense. I'll stay away from mandatory minicamp, but I'm going to be there at training camp. You better figure this out because I'm going to be there and I'm going to be ready to compete and I'll be healthy by then and I'm going to practice and I'm going to be there and you're going to have to deal with me unless you trade me or cut me. Yeah, he might have to do that. I'd be all in favor of him doing that if it comes to that, certainly. I do think, though, this is maybe our first look into at least the answer to the question of, you know, will Baker Mayfield maybe still be the quarterback of Cleveland? Maybe they need each other and all of that. I don't know. I mean, to me, that kind of this puts a nail in the coffin. I think Cleveland kind of telling you right there, like, we'd, we'd rather not have him here no matter what right now. I don't know. Does that say that to you, Mike? At least to me, that's at least a little glimpse into, I think, answering that question to, to some sort of degree. Yeah, I I think that, look, that ship has sailed. That bridge is yes, right. He is not yes, coming back. Right. And, and, and I agree with you. This is about, I think at this point, managing the situation so it doesn't explode. I think the last thing the Browns need now is to have – a Steve McNair type situation, a full blown fight where you're trying to keep the guy out of the building. You're trying to keep him out of drills and you're trying to, you're trying to worry about him when you're trying to figure out what the hell's going on with your other quarterback. And poor Jacoby Brissett, what did I sign up for? Maybe I should have gone somewhere else. I'm caught in the middle of all this mess. I think they're trying to do what they can to minimize the extent to which the Baker Mayfield situation is going to become a gigantic mess. And, so far, so good, because they convinced him to not show up for mandatory minicamp. But I think he'll be there. I think, I think he'll be there at training camp, and they're going to have to deal with him. And that's going to be the last thing they want to deal with. Although, dealing with Baker Mayfield is probably preferred to dealing with whatever uncertainty is going to be lingering with Deshaun Watson when training camp starts. Yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, they, they, they have a chance to have some great, perfect media storm if that happens. Holy cow. Kevin Stefanski, he'll be looking Deshaun Watson question, Baker Mayfield question. He'll be going crazy by the end of the day. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's still an unreal situation, the whole thing, how it's played out. I know we've said that a lot. Uh, I, man, I, I got to think they're going to do everything they can to get Baker onto a new team before training camp so they don't have to deal with that. I mean, this is, again, the team that I think is fighting Washington for the most dysfunctional team right now, or at least in the most dysfunctional issues around their team right now. And, man, who would want to deal with that on top of the Watson questions and everything they're going to have to hear with that? If I'm the Browns, I want to know ASAFP what is up with Deshaun Watson for this season because even if I can't get Baker Mayfield to play for me, do I trade him for Sam Darnold straight up? Do I need Sam Darnold for the full season instead of Jacoby Brissett for the full season? This is just, it's just a mess, just a mess for the Browns. And I, I, I'm not shedding many tears because they knew or should have known, to get back to the topic from last segment, knew or should have known that they were getting themselves into a potential jackpot with Deshaun Watson. Let's take a break. When we return, is Saquon Barkley ready to be the guy that he was when he was a rookie for the New York Giants? We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. Coming into this camp, um, focusing on my body, working on my body, doing all the little things necessary to, to keep my body healthy. Um, and that, when you got that, when you can trust your body, your confidence just grows. Uh, so I would say the difference was uh, I was a way more confident player uh, in college and early in my career than I was prior than last year. Uh, than last year, um, and now I'm starting to get that back, starting to get that swagger back. And um, you know, you can't 
can't get too high on it because it's just minicamp right now. Uh, but all that, all the little stuff and gaining confidence in here and this break that we have, uh, hopefully catapults and pushes me uh, through camp and to the regular season and beyond, hopefully. I'll tell you, I feel a lot better than I felt at this point last year. Uh, like you said, I was rehabbing. Uh, but, you know, my body feels good. My body is, feels strong. I feel like I got my strength back. I feel like I got my speed back. Um, I feel like I can trust in my knee again, uh, trust in my trusting myself to make plays and not think about it. At Saquon Barkley, he was the second overall pick in the 2018 draft, offensive rookie of the year that season, over 2,000 yards from scrimmage. The injury issues started in 2019. I remember fairly early in the year, maybe week four, a game at Tampa. He, he suffered an ankle injury and was hobbling around, hopping on one leg, and then he had the torn ACL in 2020, had ankle issues last year. It's the nature of the position. We've talked about this how many times? in the past week or so. It's not about the guy. It's not about Christian McCaffrey. It's not about Derrick Henry. It's not about Saquon Barkley. It's about the position they play. It is conducive to injury. And, hey, if he's back to the guy that he was in 2018, that's good news for the Giants and Daniel Jones and what they're trying to do there, Chris. Definitely. I mean, with that offense, Brian Dayball, what they'll be able to do. Yeah, I mean, again, it, this is a guy that went healthy you know, I think you're describing it or trying to describe it there. It's, he's one of the more freaky guys in football. You know, I, I think a lot of running backs look at Saquon Barkley, and if you ask him who has, who has the most skill or talent at the position of football, I, I mean, I've heard running backs that are playing right now talk and put Saquon Barkley in the top, you know, top guys conversation there. And he can fly. He can go 80 yards of the house. He can break your ankles like Barry Sanders. And, I mean, you can see he's got some power in his legs so it's good to hear he's got the confidence back. That's a big thing with a running back who's, you know, again, big, thick, and his body and money and everything about his game is made on his ability to jam that leg in the ground and cut a, a certain way and explode. Uh, when you're thinking about that, it's hard to, to let it go, let alone when you don't have a very good offense and blocking around you and everything there. So hopefully we get to see the guy you're talking about uh, from a few years ago. And he's got every incentive to have a big season, and that's going to be the real question. Let's say he has a big year and reestablishes himself. Free agency in 2023, what do you do? What kind of year does he have to have to get the Giants to franchise tag? And what kind of year does he have to have to get the Giants to give him a big contract? Would someone else give him a big contract? It's one of the realities of the position. It's one of the reasons why Derrick Henry took $12.5 million per year from the Titans when he was in the, in the franchise tag dance. Other teams don't pay big money to running backs who have done well with some other organization. They just don't. When you hit the market, you're, Melvin Gordon got $8 million a year when he finally became a free agent. So, Chris, I, I just wonder if he has a great year, what it's going to mean for him financially. Because it still goes back to the position. The money's just not there for the position. No, you're right. That's, that's going to be, it'd be interesting to see. He does have the type of talent, though, if – you know, we get to see that, and then the stats start to back it up and everything where you go, wait, this might be a guy that we, we do think about franchise tagging and, and kind of extend and see where this goes from there. It is that type of talent. He does have superstar ability, so hopefully he can bring that to the table and, and put the Giants in that position this year. We will wrap up this Thursday edition of PFT Live right after this. There is Bill Belichick playing center for his quarterback, Mac Jones, firing out of the blocks. He's ready. Didn't he play offensive line once upon a time? 
I'm not Chris. sure about that, but a good. I'm just glad to see that it's. It, first off, you know, 70 years old can still get in the position. You know, bend down like that, look through his legs. No, that's I impressive. can't. I'm 57 and I can't. Well, so yeah, that's impressive. I, I'm just glad to see that it was shotgun snaps. All right, uh, because I was when when we you told me that they were going to play Belichick snapping the all ball, right. I was going, right. "What? Just stop!" Like first off, that'd just be weird. I wouldn't be cool with that. I, you know, you want to know your coach, you don't want to know him that well. Like there's a there's a line you don't want to cross to go. Hey, coach, you can yell at me or do whatever, but I don't really want to put my finger in that spot on you. Sorry. Let's find somebody else. <laughs> I have nothing else to say. I Neither Thank do I. I'm out of here for the weekend. The show is over. See you. See Enjoy ya. your weekend. See you.